Welcome to Eastern Carolina Farming. Hello, farmers and friends. I'm Dan Miller. This program's all about agriculture in North Carolina. And you'll hear it Mondays at 6.30 in the morning, 6 p.m. at night. And you can check our podcast out at ecfarming.com. Today, we'll talk with Steve Sutton about this year's strawberries. He's at Home Place Strawberries in Farmville. And we'll go over the week's headlines with Jeff Turner, the COO of Murphy Family Ventures and decades-long member of the North Carolina Ag Board. In fact, he was at a board meeting last week. We'll see if we can find out what he heard that's of interest. We'll do that in just a moment when we connect with our Duplin County studios. Eastern Carolina Farming is sponsored by Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC. In a moment, we'll catch up with Jeff Turner. But first, a little discount in your grocery bill. Gary Crawford has more. What you're hearing there is the sound of an old-fashioned roller coaster slowly pulling the riders up, up a long incline, a fairly steep one, with all the riders there waiting impatiently for the cars to get to the top so they can have that thrill of the high-speed downhill run. But for more than two years, food shoppers have been waiting on a food price roller coaster, waiting month after month after month, waiting for the food price coaster to get to the peak and to come on down. Well, we shoppers did see something in March that we haven't seen in a very long time. Food at home or grocery prices showed a decline this month for the first time since November of 2020. Ag Department economist Megan Schweitzer says, however, the March decline in grocery prices was very small, only two-tenths of one percent, but it breaks that long, almost 30-month run of consecutive price hikes. Now, not every food category went down last month, but... Of the 22 food categories that we track, 14 of them declined in March. Foods going down in price from February to March include pork and poultry, dairy, fresh fruits and vegetables, fats and oils. But of course, Megan says we still had eight food categories continuing their rise in prices. And some of the categories were other meats, which include some products like lunch meats and hot dogs. That was up 1.1% from February to March. Cereals and bakery products were up 0.9%. And other foods also rose 1.1%. Other foods include ready-to-eat foods and frozen meals and entrees and such. But despite eight food categories continuing to go up in March, the price declines for the other foods were enough to bring the average grocery bill down from February by that very small two-tenths of 1%. So why this one-month food price turnaround? Well, the overall rate of inflation is coming down across the economy compared to last year as the Fed raises interest rates, that's having an impact really on categories across the economy. But now the not-so-good news. So far, we've only been talking about price changes from February to March. When you look at prices compared to a year ago, it's a different story. Even with price declines in March, grocery store food prices are still running almost 8.5% higher than March a year ago, with only a handful of foods costing less than this last year at this time. One of them is beef. Beef rose. 0.5% from February to March, but beef prices are still down 1.9% from March 2022. Also, we're seeing lower prices than a year ago for pork and fresh fruits and veggies. Higher prices, though, for most everything else. So it looks like we're going to wait a good long while before that food price roller coaster starts on down in earnest, and it might be a slow ride even then. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. 
This is Eastern Carolina Farming on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I'm Dan Miller, joined by my co-host Jeff Turner, the COO of Murphy Family Ventures and member of the North Carolina Board of Ag. We've had a nice dose between some rain and mostly clear days, nice temperatures as well, giving farmers a chance on the rainy days to get out of the field and do some equipment repair. No doubt. We've had some really warm days. I think last Thursday we were 90 or 91. That's pretty good. And, of course, these warmer nights, things will certainly uh, start growing. There's no doubt about that. And planting progress for North Carolina. It looks like we're just a touch behind where we were last year at this time. Almost a third of the corn have been planted. Now we're not quite at 30%. I think, you know, given the weather that we see ahead, we're going to catch up pretty well. I suspect so. You know, it, what I will call later Easter and course we had some cool weather and like I say the old folks always said it, it's going to frost around Easter and it did so they're normally right and again that's not climate change that's just weather. It was not as cold in Pitt <laughs> County on that freeze as it was in your neck of the woods. In fact we had a lot of frost in places. Uh, in the Midwest the upper Midwest they really haven't gotten started uh, they had quite a, a winter season so the folks in Dakota have not really started planting yet. Interesting note you know, if you ever travel to California, always when you get to California, there's water restrictions. And for the first time since 2006, California officials have increased the allocations of state water projects to 100% of requested supplies, the epic snowmelt for, forecast for the upcoming weeks. Speaking of California, we're expecting any day now to get some decision from the Supreme Court on the uh, Prop 12 case with California. And I'm um, keeping Roy Lee Lindsay, the CEO of the North Carolina Pork Producers, on uh, speed dial. I would have thought we would have already heard from that, but obviously they're taking their, their time with it. And and uh, with any luck, uh, common sense will prevail, and the tail doesn't wag the dog. Well, and we're also waiting for a decision from the Supreme Court that could affect WOTUS in a, in a large way, the waters of the U.S. That's true, and we've talked about it. There's been some change um at the federal level in about 20 some odd states has kind of put a freeze on things yeah. and and so that's a good thing gas prices steady from last week diesel prices continue their decline interesting uh you and i duplin county and pitt county paying about a buck 56 for regular gasoline if you're on the highway 70 corridor actually you are paying about a nickel or more or less about 350 just a snapshot of jacksonville gas is 353 diesel is 394 so they're Almost in the same zone now, way different than it was just 12 months ago. Still much higher than it was two and a half years ago. We have to keep that in mind. I, we're talking about $3.5 gas and $4 diesel like it's a wonderful thing. It's not. Still too high. I heard an interview with Jonathan Gray. He's the president of Blackstone Financial. He said while the Fed probably would hold off from another interest rate rise because of cooler inflation, he said, quote, the Fed is likely to pause at maybe 25 basis points higher from where we are, but I think it's unlikely to see a pivot quickly as the market is expecting. He told the Financial Times the Fed would hold rates at an elevated level for an extended period of time to stamp out any remaining inflationary pressures. So it looks like high interest rates are around for a while. Again, it's an economist and a weatherman. They, they get it right <laughs> part of the time. <laughs> I mean, it's a great profession to be in. H however, you know, if you think about what's going on with banks and what I read and understand, they think with the credit tightening the way that it is today, that's the equivalent of another half to three quarters of a point with regard to reining things in. So 
the banks are tightening up and as they should because again there's a good number of bad loans that are developing out there and it's unfortunate but it's coming some of the lead indicators housing usually is housing prices have uh, taken the largest dip that they have in about 11 years so that's not necessarily great if you have a home but it is a good indicator that inflation is starting to get under control I see where the uh, Chinese government has made more contract agreements with some of the South American growers, but they've had such a rough season in, in South America that in upcoming years it may make a dent. And I think they're using it. They're using the Brazil thing, the South American thing, as leverage as much as anything else. I mean, it's yeah. kind of like when they come over and they inspect one of our meat processing plants and say, "Oh no, we we don't like what you're doing here. Uh, you know, we're going to take you off the export list. We're we're not going to." import any product from this particular plant and 99 percent of those cases that's nothing more than leverage and this is just another way to create leverage i think that's the case with hungary's banning ukrainian imports i really do i think they're teeing themselves up for some sort of subsidy from the european ag commission well i'm certain that's what it's all about and and it's unfortunate when you use food as to bring leverage on anyone I, i just think that's a that's just not the way things ought to work. Nope. Last week when you and I spoke, you were on your way to a North Carolina Board of Agriculture meeting. And uh, what did our ears hear at the meeting? We had a brief meeting last Monday, this past Monday. And uh, the, the Apple referendum was obviously on, on the table for discussion. And That was like a renewing of what their checkoff percentage? The, exactly. Exactly. It, I think it's every five years they have to come for a reauthorization to hold to, to at least hold the referendum and it gives the growers an opportunity to say yes or no and um so uh, we we have reauthorized and they'll go to a vote ever so often that has to be reauthorized and and that has to come from the board of agriculture we took that issue up and obviously the board uh, agreed to allow them to proceed with their referendum so you know, the apple growers will will vote they'll decide whether they want to continue on using that money for marketing and research and those sorts of things of course, the balance of the, the the balance of the meeting was spent just talking in general around the table about you know everyone everyone represents a certain segment of agriculture around the table we heard from all the many members regarding what's going on in their area and uh, you know things are pretty good shape i think I, there's a lot of disease in the pig industry right now, and there's also uh, there's these high commodity prices, uh, input costs for production of any livestock or poultry is high right now. So margins are really close. And what we call the cutout, which is the final product once it leaves the plant and goes to a grocery store, that, that number is low as well. So processors and growers are getting squeezed right now. Anything new in the um, from our friends in the dairy industry? The, the, the thing that's going on with the USDA right now and the different social programs, they're talking about taking milk, of all things, out of the, the lineup. I, I'm not sure where that's going to fall, but uh, dairy industry, they I think they're in pretty good shape right now compared to what, you know, historically they've had a lot of hard times. Did you read the headline about the explosion and fire at the South Fork Dairy Farm in Texas last, I guess it was a week ago almost, was the deadliest fire for cattle in Texas history, according to the Department of Agriculture Commissioner Sid Miller in Texas. The cows were lining up to go into the uh, milking parlor. 18,000 head on the farm, 2 million square feet of space. It was a total loss. 
terrible situation. Oh. Methane gas collected somewhere and obviously got a spark. And farming is um, it's not the safest uh, avocation in the world. So now, now we forget that we forget also how safe. We have become and how through the decades our safety procedures have gotten better. I hate to say it, but, you know, I remember as a kid that so many older farmers had a finger missing or uh, when when mechanized farming got in, there just wasn't the safety procedures that we have now. So that's a good thing. Yep. Things have come a long ways, but it's still uh, it's still pretty rough. It can be if you're again with all the mechanization that's taking place. There's fewer and fewer people doing the same work that we've been doing for years. So. <laughs> How do you deal with uh, 18,000 cows? Is it mobile uh, cremation? I mean, how uh, that's that's just a lot of animals. You know, I would assume that they would have probably done that. I haven't actually followed up to see a, a good number of the, the animals killed in the blast. I think probably burned. Either that or burial. That's the, the two options you have, unless they could go to rendering of some sort. Behind closed doors, the farm bill debate returns to planted versus base acres for the program. Looks like corn and soybean growers and their groups want to move back to the payments based on planted, but not base acres for the farm bill. School me on this a little bit if you can. We're talking about a basis for insurance, are we not? You you build a so-called base over years, uh, whether it's peanuts or cotton or whatever, in, in order to qualify for certain programs. You build basis on your farm to determine over a number of years what your, you know, what your average planted acres would look like. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think what they're trying to do is to to kind of go away from that historical perspective and just have it based on your, what what my planted acres are. I'm missing a great deal of detail here, but to me that seems just more equitable. The decision is driven by. Uh, a whole set of different factors that has nothing to do with the economics of the current the, the current crop year. Makes sense, sort of. I will. Uh... No, it doesn't. It's, it's government work, man. <laughs> 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 nothing makes sense when it comes to government work. I'm sorry. Hey, coming up in just a moment, we'll be joined by Steve Sutton of Home Plate Strawberries. We'll talk about this year's crop. That's just ahead on Eastern Carolina Farming. This is Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Thanks in part to the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to be NC, North Carolina's official business development and marketing program for agriculture. More than just agriculture, it's got to be NC. I'm Dan Miller along with Jeff Turner. We're joined by Steve Sutton of Home Place Strawberries. It's that time of year we thought we'd catch up with Steve. Hey, Steve. How are you? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day out on the farm. (laughs) It absolutely is. So tell us what's going on in the strawberry world. It, it, it appears that we've got an early crop. I've seen strawberries out for two or three weeks. How are things looking? Things are looking pretty well. We've got one of the best crops I think we've ever had far as uh, appearance, far as size, and far as sweetness. And, you know, sweetness is the Number one thing you need, and I mean, almost terribly good. <laughs> Did the cold snap a couple of weeks ago? Did you lose anything? Not a thing. Not a thing. We are very much diligent about wrapping our strawberries up when the temperatures get down low. Not not just at a frost freeze warning, 
from our local weather people, but we if, even if it gets close to a frost freeze, we're we're real diligent about wrapping those up to protect those berries. Skeptical of weather people is uh, I, Jeff and I have talked about that before. One of the few professions <laughs> you can be right sixty percent of the time and be considered an all star. And an economist. That is so much true, you know. <laughs> but you can have thirty five or thirty six degree weather, and on the ground in a strawberry field, you can you can sometimes generate enough frost to do damage to those crowns down in there and to existing berries that we have on the vine. So uh, we listen to them, and if they come, if they even hit the mark close, we're going to play double security there and, and make sure we've got our bases covered. How much of your varieties have changed? We would love to have a, a variety that is heat tolerant because these 80, 88 and 90 degree days on black plastic is not very good. We applaud research and new varieties as they come on the market. What is the length of the North Carolina season? We'll normally run till, uh, till the, about the 1st of June. And uh, after that, it's a slow go. Do you use tunnels at all when you're growing? We got our hours out on open ground. Ours is a lot of customer come to the farm pick. And, uh, and, 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 of course, we also have facilities for children to play. I know that you, uh, you, you measure by volume the amount of strawberries picked at a U-pick operation, but when I was a child, it would have been wise to weigh the child. Right. That's right. <laughs> and, and we, get, uh, we have these children to come up. We joke and carry on with them because we'll see the strawberries around the mouth, and I think, okay, we'll... We're going to weigh you now. Right. They look back, stand back in surprise. We love to see those children come up with those red mouths, knowing that they have enjoyed themselves in the strawberry field. It's always a good thing to get kids out and get them on the farm so they can understand where the food comes from. That's, hey, that's what it's all about. It's so important that they learn the experiences of how that food is grown and how did it reaches the plate. Those kind of experiences are not being taught today the way it should, and we grew up with those things every day because we were a part of the food process. Children now are not a part of that food process. We worked in gardens when we were growing up. We did the picking, and we did the shelling the butter beans and snapping the peas and, 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 the, and the green beans and, and things like that. Children don't do that no more. I gotta say, I gained a whole new appreciation for peas after picking peas and shelling peas. You think you get a whole lot like you do beans, but when you get done, a bushel will give you a bowl. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's a, it's a slow go, isn't it? <laughs> it is a slow go. Steve, thank you much. Go ahead and give us the information on uh, Home Place Strawberries. Home Place Strawberries and more. We are open. Every day from about 10, 9 o'clock till 6 o'clock. Saturdays, I think, is from uh, 9 to 4. And then Sundays, uh, depending on the availability of berries, about 1 to 5. Come on out. We have homemade ice cream. And we even have a local store that they can buy local products, North Carolina products. Take care, Steve. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. Good to talk to you.
On those rare rainy days, take a second and thumb through the pages of Farmer's Connection magazine. The Farmer's Connection is a color newsprint magazine with listings of new and used inventory at local dealers. Grab a copy today at Agri-Supply, Acock Tractor, Mark Chesson & Sons, or Caps Trailer in Kinston. This month's issue's got a lot of auctions going on. The schedule's inside. Grab a copy of the Farmer's Connection when you stop by almost any independent farm equipment dealer in North and South Carolina and Southern Virginia. This is Eastern Carolina Farming on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. I'm Dan Miller. Thanks in part to Ag Carolina Farm Credit, financing rural North Carolina for generations, lending solutions for farms, land, homes, and all personalized for you. Ag Carolina Farm Credit, giving you room to grow. Let's take a look at last week's markets. Expiring April live cattle contracts ended the week at 173.97, down 12.5 from Thursday, while most active June futures edged up to 164.52. The later represented a weekly rise of about 80 cents. The expiring April feeder contracts fell Friday to close at 203.77. May feeders inched up to close at 212.40, which marked a $4.50 weekly rise. June lean hogs rose Friday at $86.07 and near the session high, but for the week, hogs lost $0.80. North Carolina egg prices were lower on all sizes when compared to the prior week. North Carolina weighted average price quoted Thursday, April 20th for small lot sales delivered carton grade A eggs, $186 for extra large, $173.14 for large, $150.45 for medium, and $83 for small eggs. Number two yellow shelled corn was mixed. 19 cents lower to 21 cents higher when compared to last week. Prices range mostly 682 to 767 at the feed mills, 748 to 762 at the elevators through Thursday, April the 20th. Number one yellow soybeans were 5 to 18 cents higher, range 1567 to 1591 at the processors, mostly 1477 to 1511 at the elevators. Number two red winter wheat was 1 to 17 cents higher, range 592 to 696 at the elevators. Soybean meal FOB at processing plants was 5.1130 to 5.2570 per ton for 46.5 to 48% protein. New crop prices quoted for harvest delivery, corn range 580 to 667, soybeans were 1280 to 1321, and wheat was 590 to 734. North Carolina seasoned strawberries, including palletizing and cooling, flats, eight one-pound containers with lids medium to large, 18 to 22 dollars. And that's this week's Eastern Carolina Farming. If you miss a show, play the podcast on demand at ecfarming.com. There you'll also find links to our sponsors, Ag Carolina Farm Credit, First Choice Insurance Partners, and the North Carolina Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services. Got to BNC. Eastern Carolina Farming is a production of Interbanks Media. If you like the show, tell your suppliers to call Hank Hinton at 252-355-1037. For myself and Jeff Turner, have a great week.